Okay, so it was bad enough that we took a lot of shit on Twitter when we did episode 22, and we had some people from the Ruby community who I chose not to block on Twitter quite yet, giving me a hard time for us dogpiling on um, Jay Gay, who's an awesome guy. Uh, he just happened to be the proxy to take a few punches on behalf of the Ruby community. And so here we are in another episode, I don't know, what, two, three weeks ago, and look what we're talking about again, Ed. We're talking partially about how the Ruby community, for whatever reason, just can't get their shit together in the last little <laughs> So uh, I first, of course, want to uh, commend you on your self-control. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... Um, no, uh, yeah, we were going to talk a little bit about, um, I guess we were going to talk about, it originally wasn't our intent to talk about a particular Ruby thing, I think, um, but uh, it, you know, it came up, and I didn't really think we dogpiled on those guys. I think we kind of made a little, couple of kind of jokes about stuff, but I think we learned a lot from that second, uh, or from that episode before with Jim, and uh, I think it was uh, an interesting deal, but I guess some a couple folks seemed like they kind of got upset. Because I mean, we talked about some more negative stuff, but I don't know. I felt like at the end of it, we came away with a, a pretty good understanding, and I, I, I felt like, you know, I didn't think the Ruby community had a particularly more of a problem than anybody else, maybe, uh, or any other communities with these kinds of things. But I don't know. Maybe they talk about it more. Maybe there's just more crap that comes on. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, so, so anyway, look. So now we're up to episode number 23, which I was told before the podcast has a, has, is a number of significance to some people. And I saw the shitty-ass webpage that Ed pasted to me. Yep. So I'm not going to bother going over that again. But yes, we've made it to episode 23. Episode 23 of the Development Hell Podcast. Uh, before we get started, as always, let's thank our awesome sponsor from Engine Yard. Thank you, Elizabeth Naramore, for uh, throwing some more money our way so I could pay for Chinese food for my family tonight. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. What did you have? Uh, I, I had extremely non-paleo friendly uh, Chinese food, General Tao Chicken, well, yeah, which, was, which was all breaded to hell, and it was, but it was really good. Paleos don't have bread, dude. No, I know, but hey, man, I've stabilized at 240 pounds, so I feel I can live it up a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Um, 65 pounds down from where I started. Yeah, you did. Yeah, making me look like a sucker. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so yeah, NGR is uh, in our fold here and has been a really good sponsor for us, and that's pretty awesome. Um, I think they essentially paid for my new laptop, which is nice. Hell Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and then uh, also we should thank Wonder Network, even though for some reason our, uh, our live broadcasting thing isn't working right now. But uh, yeah, one okay. of these days, one of these days we have to get the uh, the direct support number for Wonder Network. So next time we have a problem, we can call Paul up and uh, and get it resolved before we go to air. So anyway, on episode twenty three, we have a, like I said, we uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Ruby. But um, for the first time we ever, we have two guests. I'm um, joining us on Skype. So uh, we have with us uh, Ash Dryden, uh, awesome last name, Canadian hockey legend. That's always welcome. And uh, <laughs> and number two, we have um, Reg Braithwaite, who managed to sit next to me for eight hours on a transatlantic flight back from um, Copenhagen and not kill me. And he was impressed that I showed him that you could actually write combinators using PHP. And there's an, also a Freddie Brathwaite hockey legend. Thank you very much. Marginalizing the black folks once again. <laughs> nice. There's nothing more fun than trying to keep a brother down, Reg. You know that. <laughs> there's like two brothers in hockey, right? Aren't there? Oh, there's more than two. Most of these days are they're from Quebec, though. Large, large francophone uh, uh, African Canadian population these days. Oh, is that right? All right. Uh, 
Hey, Paul just wrote me, so you guys... Uh, okay, so while I'm distracted about this, um, Ash, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and stuff, because we want to hear about like why we... We originally wanted to have you on the show even before this sort of... A little bit of stuff came up with this conference, Brit Ruby, but uh, so we, we'd intended to have you on for a while before that. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I'm uh, an independent developer. I live in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I am one of those people that bridges the PHP and Ruby communities, um, which is rare-ish. <laughs> um, I uh, also do conference organizing. I speak a lot about um, how we can further diversity and how we can make people feel more welcome and comfortable in our communities. Um, that's about it. Big sci-fi nerd. That sounds cool. Like, what kind of sci-fi are you into lately? Uh, oh, lately? Um, yes. I just, I really love Star Trek, and TNG is by far my favorite. I, I, I should also mention, I don't watch things as they're on the air. I like to wait until they're concluded, and then I can watch them all in one fell swoop. So uh, I just started watching um, DS9 relatively recently, and I hear a lot of people groan at me about that one because it's not very good to begin with, but I, I kind of love it, actually. Yeah, that one is not a it's not a spaceship. It's just like uh it's like some guys hanging out on a in a in a space station outside a wormhole. Yeah, right. Yeah, but you know, that's fine. But, you know, my dad is that, my dad the uh, staunch uh staunch German person that he is is a humongous uh Star Trek fan. I remember many times being um shushed and told to shut the hell up. Uh, while he was watching Star Trek, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, uh, I think I think just by being around, I've seen every single episode of every single one of those Star Trek shows. Well, we whether, I, whether I wanted to or not, I just <laughs> my son just started watching Voyager. He's ten, and um, boy, I I don't know about this Captain Janeway, <laughs> like and her I, epic bun. It's it's really the shrillness of her voice. And then they start talking about like spirit animals and stuff. And aren't you getting you know, the cougar vibe from her as uh, well? I, I, she's attractive, but I, boy, she has this shrill voice. I don't know about that, but um, yeah, maybe a little bit. But uh, I was we were watching this episode, and this guy was all like, was crewman who looked like Will Ferrell was all excited because they found they're on some planet, just walking around a planet, and they found he found some apples or something, right? And then Neelix comes up and ruins it for him. And he's like, Neelix is all like, those are poison apples. Oh, that's going to go right to your... And then he points at his crotch. He's like, that's going to make, I don't know, like make it fall off or something. I don't know what, and I don't know what Neelix is talking about, but... I I never said that it was all uh, redeemable sci-fi. I just said that I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Uh, Well, fair enough. Yes. Getting back to the subject of nerd culture (laughs) by rudely interrupting, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say right away, this is pretty much typical of the nerd, and and I am overgeneralizing, but this is pretty much typical of the internet nerd debate. Somebody says, hey, I just read the 147 book series you know, the Lords of Time. And somebody else will chime in and say, fuck, man, chapter seven of the 37th book. <laughs> that sucked, man. And then the yes. debate will go on for six hours about one chapter of one book while failing to recognize the overarching awesomeness. It's true. I call it. And that's pretty much what we're well, here actually, to talk about, right? 
We're yes. here to yes. talk about a co- one conference which didn't even get off the ground and hadn't even finished selecting its speakers. But on the basis of a few comments on Twitter, which were entirely reasonable mm-hmm. questions and so on, the entire Ruby community is being painted with the uh, bozo brush. Yeah, bye. But, bye. That, but that's totally the Dev Hill style, man. That's how it works. Hey, I'm telling you flat out, if you guys are, put, are, are getting all proud about this, everyone does it on the Internet. What I, yeah, I definitely want to be like everybody else on the internet. Yeah, but no, but not everybody gets paid to do it like we do. Yeah, that's a good point. That that's really that's the key. You learn how to get paid to do what everybody else does for free. They are chumps. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so uh, since you yeah. so rudely interrupted, you should probably introduce yourself yes, as well, Reg. Yes, please talk about yourself, Reg. Uh, this is Reg Braithwaite. I have been um, programming since uh, 1974. And um, I don't have that many brain cells left, having gone through both the 70s and the 80s. But those that I do have left, I use mostly on uh, CoffeeScript, JavaScript, Ruby, and from time to time, when rent is direly due, Java. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm, I'm, I have done one PHP project that was successful. Mm-hmm. I quit. I was ahead and can proudly claim a 100% successful uh, completion rate. That's awesome. PHP, but you know, I'm I'm prepared to go there too. Yeah. Uh, uh, my claim to fame, as far as this subject is concerned, is strictly the fact that you know I got on the internet and did a lot of jawing back and forth, and allowed myself to be told that I was a leftist, um, ra- anti-white racist dude, and all this other stuff, which surprised the hell out of me since I consider myself to be white. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess I'm dealing with some sort of internal white shame over all the you know ass kicking that uh, that part of my culture has done for the last millennium or so i kind of feel like louis ck I, I don't understand why people are all apologizing for shit you know when you're on top of the pile um you know as uh i remember a scene from arnold schwarzenegger pumping iron uh you know where somebody else says well arnie you know when the you're, you're the top dog all the other dogs are hungry all the other dogs want your spot you know and uh, arnie looks at them and says uh yeah they're hungry but when i want food it's there and that's kind of how I feel about uh, being a, a a male of privilege. You mm-hmm. know, so there's definitely no cause or call for discrimination, uh, not only from a moral perspective, but I believe that it's actually counterproductive for the human race or society moving forward. I think it's both pragmatic and morally wrong to discriminate. But that being said, there's absolutely no reason for an individual not to take advantage of an opportunity that comes their way as long as they're not exploiting other people and no reason to apologize. You just have to, you know, once you get on top, however you got there, just make sure you're not closing doors behind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, we're kind of jumping into it here. So could maybe uh, for the uh, tens of people listening, um, maybe uh, we should summarize a little bit and, uh, Ash, do you want to take this about kind of talk about I mean, we met, we kind of talked about the, this conference that had gone on, and uh, could you maybe sort of maybe summarize what happened? I I have to admit myself, I sort of, and maybe because I don't follow or listen to the right people on Twitter or what have you, didn't a hundred percent understand exactly what happened. Um, and maybe could you maybe summarize for us? Or it sounds like there was, you know, just tell us like what the conference was going to be and and like kind of what happened in this situation. Sure. So uh, <clears throat> it was uh, Brit Ruby is a British Ruby conference, um, and somebody 
uh, Josh Susser pointed out on Twitter um, that the lineup looked great, except all of the speakers happened to be white men. And they and Britt Ruby had made a statement on their website saying um, something to the effect of they were bringing together one of the most diverse groups of people to speak on the subject of Ruby. So uh, from there, it kind of bloomed into this uh, lively debate about um, what, what it means to be diverse. Um, how do you get, um, how do you get top notch speakers that aren't white and male? If the vast majority of people in the community that are known for what they do are white and male. Um, is it um, racist or sexist um, to not have um, anybody other than white males on your conference schedule um, and that, and that kind of thing. So it, unfortunately it, it kind of devolved into this very defensive and um, upsetting discussion where it could have been, uh, a lot more constructive. So it, it ended um, about two days later, I think, with them just deciding to cancel the conference. And they wrote this big, long letter. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the language they used kind of blamed the people that were pointing out the fact that they were lacking diversity in what was supposed to be a diverse lineup of speakers. So that's hmm. kind of where we are now. Well, yeah. And I, uh, I read that and I... It, it, it was, it, I guess to me, it kind of came off a little bit like, uh, it, it, well, I guess one of the things is that it, 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 there wasn't anything specific necessarily about, well, X caused Y and like, this is why it was closed, but it, there was, it was all kind of vague. It wasn't like, well, this sponsor decided to back out so we couldn't do it or something like that. It sounded like for a little while some people thought there was a sponsor backing out, but then it turned out there wasn't or something like that. It sounds like they just decided not to do it, I guess. Yeah, at first they had had either directly or kind of indirectly stated that uh, the discussion had caused there to be some fiscal concerns about whether or not they could actually afford to put on the conference and all of that... Um, coming back down on the organizers. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what they said at first, but it came out after the fact that that wasn't the case. Okay. Well, that sounds kind of weird and shady. I don't really know. I mean, that's just my observation from, from, uh, uh, I, I, can I hear you? Ash, can you hear me? Okay. Testing one, two, three. Hello. You still there? I'm still Hello? here. Too. Here. We all here. Yeah, I'm here. Interesting. I, uh, I don't know. Oh, hey, look at that. I had a little bit of weirdness there myself. So, uh, everybody sounds really far away. Yeah, they sound far away for a second. I think maybe we had a little yeah. network slowdown there. Yeah, Skype tries to adjust the uh, bandwidth and the call quality when it detects that things are going to shit. Just to make things a little better, I'm going to try to turn off some stuff here. But, um,. So well, let me. So, so I, I I missed the last part of what Ash Ash said, but but let me interject because I can kind of have the perspective of someone that put together a conference recently, and yeah, I was unhappy that I wasn't able to get the number of uh, of uh, female speakers that I want some other people to talk, but just so much of the Brit Ruby thing seems to be like. 
they're basically they threw a temper tantrum and canceled the conference because people wouldn't shut the hell up about how they weren't working hard enough to make the lineup more diverse. It just kind of seems like they said, "Well, well, fine. I'm I'm taking my conference and I'm going home." And that's I, when I when I saw the thing got canceled, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, "What? You're you're folding like a cheap tent." A few people criticize what you've done. You don't acknowledge that there's a problem. You just say, well, we did what we did. And then they start making hints about, oh, maybe now there's financial issues or uh, sponsors, whatever. And and so they just they up and stopped it. And I I remember I looked at that and I said, what the fuck are they doing? This is this is ludicrous. They're, they're so thin skinned. They can't handle uh, criticism. You can look It's your it's your conference. You can do what you want if you if people are upset with your lineup they can vote by not coming to your conference so if people have a problem with it there are ways to discuss it but it just seemed to me they just said well i don't want to deal with it fine i'm going to quit and and after the fact they're just trying to make up excuses for what they did to justify their decision to cancel the conference yeah it it was really heartbreaking um Myself and a few other women were actually um, offering to help them um, put together a more diverse listening of people. We were, uh, me and three other people were talking about submitting proposals, you know, and nobody ever said anything to us. You know, we were saying things directly to them, like, let us help you, let us help you find people. And it never, you know, they they never reached out. Um, So I, it's unfortunate that, um, the situation was brought to their attention and that they had the opportunity to correct it and that it didn't get corrected. Um, I think that the situation could have gone a lot better. Um, I really did not want to see the conference canceled. I really wanted to see this be a uh, public victory for what diversity can do. Somebody brings up the fact that it's not diverse enough. The conference organizers say, okay, what can we do to make this better? The community helps, and then an excellent conference comes out on the other end. That's that is the way that it should go. You know, that is the best way to make the most of a situation that isn't ideal going into it, and that's not what happened. And it seems like that's happened before, where that kind of stuff has been brought up, and it's uh, you know, there's been some kind of response, and sometimes it might have been a little shaky at first, but. You know, people kind of reached out and, and made an attempt. So it's a, I, I I was a little surprised to see that whole thing get shut down. I don't I don't know, but I mean, I guess we can speculate about why it happens. I mean, we weren't the organizers, and we don't know exactly why. But uh, it's I think it's a shame if that if they really shut down just because of that. Because I don't know, the criticism that I saw didn't seem particularly harsh to me. I mean, it seemed like people were bringing up. Uh, who was speaking, um, I guess, especially in the context of what they were talking about in terms of, say, diversity and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and I guess the nature of it being that it sounded like they handpicked 75% of the speakers. Um, so they had an opportunity to, uh, to nail some, to, to kind of get some folks, uh, that, uh, that 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 seems like kind of a bummer. Yeah, I uh, I agree that um, you know th- th- there are a couple of issues here. There is the perception uh, of the selection process and the lack of diversity with what was initially on their website, 
there are, um, you know, people said some things which were, in my opinion, speculative about the organizers and their selection process. Um, then there was the organizers' response. And then it looked to me like things just ran away, you know, like a runaway train. Right. And it's a common thing, in my opinion, on the Internet, because the people who are sort of most thoughtful about these kinds of things, the people who are most likely to say, hmm, I wonder what really happened. They're not the people who are going to jump on uh, Twitter and start, you know, talking about it. They're not the people who are going to get on Hacker News or Reddit and start debating it. The kind of people who are thoughtful are saying, hmm, maybe we need to get some more information before we start debating this thing. Whereas the kind of people who are ready, fire, aim, where aim is optional, those are the people who are jumping right on and 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 on both on both sides. You know, right. I don't want really to say, but from all points of view, they're going to be people who just the kind of people who jump to a conclusion and and, and go with it are going to end up dominating uh, the debate, as you might call it, on places like Hacker News and Reddit. Yeah, I did not, and I, probably maybe because I actively avoid reading. Um uh, comments like threads on places like Hacker News and Reddit because I usually like usually just makes me angry when I do. So I didn't really see that. Um, was there a lot of discussion about this, relatively speaking, on on the in in places like that? Well, the 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 big low for me um, uh, was when I spotted it on the Men's Right subreddit. Oh boy. I, I, re- I realized that it had reached a pit of despair and was going to be unable to 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 to, to reach salvation from there. Yeah, um, and yeah, I'm not sure if there's a a lot to to say about that. Um, but I guess I'm 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 curious about uh, you know in the light of this uh, what what kind of things do you think we could learn from that or what, you know, how, how do we feel like, um, you know, I, I haven't organized a conference, but Chris, you have, uh, you just recently organized a successful PHP conference and Ash, you've been involved in organizing a few different conferences, right? And I, Reg, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've been an organizer or just a speaker or what have you, but I'm interested to hear, uh, like a couple different perspectives. Um, you know, Chris, I actually, I kind of want to hear from you because, I'm interested in. Uh, I remember when you were you you did a CFP and it you know when you picked speakers, um, uh, you sort of realized that you had picked only uh, dudes, um, if I recall, like sort of at the end of the at the end of that process. And I don't think uh, I don't remember a lot of say uh, feedback that you got that was negative about that necessarily. But I know that you. It were, you expressed a little bit of concern about that. Is that correct? That is fair. And I will say that there was criticism. It was just done through back channels instead of like publicly on on Twitter right. um, or Hacker News or whatever. We did have some people say, hey, I noticed a severe lack of women here. And my explanation was, yes, I've noticed this too. We didn't get any female speakers um, submitting talk ideas. Um we're more than happy to try to find some um, – see, this is the thing where it gets dicey, right? It's like, okay, we know we need some female speakers, but now I feel douchey going out and finding some and saying, hey, would you like to come talk to, to – speak at, at our conference? Um, all, all being careful to say – careful to try to you know, walk around the issue of 
we want to have as diverse a lineup as possible. You're a woman, therefore you own as diversity, so can you come speak for us? I mean, I will say that I feel for next year's conference, when we do the 2013 version, um, I have a ton more work to do to try to get as diverse. And I'm talking about diverse in terms of, of not topics, but diverse in terms of like what the speakers look like. I don't want all dudes at the conference. Uh, my first goal is I want to have really interesting speakers, but at the same time, I do understand, and I see this having two girls um, that already I see the sexist uh, and misogynistic bullshit they have to deal with, even as little kids. And so I'm very conscious uh, conscious of wanting to like set a good example, show some good role models, and show uh, show my kids that it's not just um, grumpy white guys like me who do computer programming. Right. Um, what do you? Go ahead, guys. Wait, uh, can, I, can I hold some of these speakers? And I, I'm not. I'm not calling out uh, uh, any grumpy white guys or the Brit Ruby guys. But just just the the conference community, if there is one, or the conference business in general. Mm-hmm. I would. I don't. I totally do not accept the. Well, we're looking for the best speakers, or we're looking for the best proposals, and this is how the chips fall, and it's not our fault. I don't accept that at all. And the reason I don't is that. What conferences present to you is they say, we are the thought leaders. We are where you come to find out where things are going and what's happening. What conferences present to you is we are the cultural leaders. We have an opportunity for people to meet and mingle. They're selling networking and they're selling leadership. They're not selling books. They're not selling lectures. You could do that online far more efficiently than getting people to gather in a room together. They're selling culture and they're selling leadership. And given that they're selling culture and selling leadership, I think conferences are 100% accountable. I'm not saying that that a conference doesn't have the right as a business to say we're selling an all-white male culture or an all-white male leadership. I mean, that's their business. And if Ash or myself want to stand up and complain about it. I mean, we can complain about it just the same way we can complain about gasoline guzzling cars that we don't approve of or whatever. But what, and, and they can say, well, I understand you don't like it, but we're going to do something else. But what I don't like is where they say, well, you don't like it, but uh, it's not really our business. And we didn't really make a choice about this. Uh, our hands are tied because uh, we just selected the best people or whatever. They're not saying, hey, we just happen to disagree with you, Mr. Braithwaite, or we just happen, I don't want to speak for Ms. Dryden on this, or we just happen to disagree with the people who want more women or, or more minorities. They're saying, it's not a question of agreeing with you. We just couldn't find anybody. And I say bullshit because you guys are selling culture. You're selling leadership. Therefore, you are accountable for the culture you present and the leadership you present. You can't just weasel out of it by saying, well, you know, we just couldn't find any good proposals. Does yeah. that make any sense? Yeah, I can see. I can see that point of view. And I and I I think I think it's actually fair, Reg. I mean, it just makes me realize this is the first time I did a conference organizing the speakers and stuff. And yeah, I understand that I have way more work to do next year, and that I wasn't happy with the nature of diversity. I mean, the speakers we had, the conference went really well, and everybody had a good time. But it just makes me realize the bar set higher, and I want to do a better job at getting a, a more diverse group of speakers. It's not just it's not that it's it's good for the conference. It's that's not a self-serving thing to try to um, uh, avoid confrontation with people because, man, I, I'll mix it up with anybody on Twitter over anything. And it's just I, re- I realize that, yeah, whoa, 
the thing that I thought was going to be easy and, and egalitarian, um, it's really not. And so, for, like I said, next time I do this, I, I, I realize that I have to work three, four, five, ten times as hard to really say I, I just don't want – I don't want – just to have a bunch of white dudes speaking at my conference because that's that's not what I think this is about. Reg is absolutely right. These conferences, we tell people you come to hear you come to hear and meet the leaders of the technology. You come here to socialize with other people and meet other people who are doing similar things to you. So, um, so that's that's really what you should be placing um, above anything else. Um, you know, that's how. I mean, I will say I think my rough estimate. I could go over the. I, I could make some educated guesses based on names from um, our list of attendees, but my unofficial thing is that we had about 10% female um, attendees at the conference. Because I handled all the registration stuff. I was there and checked everybody in, and I would say, yep, we're probably about 10%. Uh, so out of 150 attendees, like 15 females, female attendees. So is that is that okay? I don't know. It depends on who you ask. I would like to see that much higher because I know – it, there can't just be 10% uh, women working, uh, doing web stuff and, and playing with PHP. It just can't be. It can't be that low. Ash, I'd like to hear <laughs> like what you have to say about this. I'd like to hear about your perspective as somebody who's worked as a conference organizer in terms of both getting uh, speakers and also you know, like attendees and things like that. Can you, what, could you maybe yeah. talk about the speaker stuff and like get how, how you've tried to address that? Sure. So um, the the first thing to realize is that no conference organizer is on their own. Like there are tons of other people that you know that have organized conferences and tons of people who have done really well to get diverse lineups to have an awesome conference experience that people talk about and want to continue going to year after year that you could easily reach out to and ask for advice. And and that's what I really want a lot of conference organizers to start thinking about. Like I know the Ruby community has a mailing list that is specifically for conference organizers to kind of trade advice and get help and that kind of thing. And I'm not sure that they're, that I'm not sure of um, that existing in other communities, but it's something that a lot of communities would do well to have. Um, but if it isn't something like that, I mean, it's, it's reaching out to somebody on Twitter and saying, you know, look, we're, we're, we're realizing right now that a lot of the people that we're getting, um, proposals back from tend to be from the same, uh, demographic group and we want to see more diversity. Um, so asking for help is definitely the first step. Um, the other thing that I really want people to focus on is the fact that if, seeing diversity um, in your community, because you are creating a community when you are putting together a conference, if seeing diversity isn't something that's important to you from the get-go, it's really hard to tack on at the end. And it comes off really uh, (laughs) half-assed. It it doesn't look good on you. So uh, it should be something that you focus on at the beginning, and it should be something that you educate yourself about. I mean, especially considering, I mean, the, the reality of it is the fact that the vast majority of people in our industry are white, straight men between the ages of 20 and late forties, um, that are abled. Um, so, so how do you, how do you get outside that group? If that, if that group represents 80 or 90% of all of the people in the industry, 
um, yes, it is hard and it is very difficult to find people, um, in your local area. If you have a regional conference, it's, it's very difficult to find people in your regional area if you aren't already connected in the community or if, um, you don't already have those connections made, but there are people that are willing to help you. Um, so that's a big thing for me. The other thing is there are a lot of ways that you can, uh, frame the way that you are asking for proposals in such a way that makes it a lot more open and welcoming to people. Um, I talked to people about like removing the gendered, um, pronouns and stuff from their CFP. Um, something as simple as, you know, not saying he or him every single time actually goes a really far way. There have been a lot of studies that have shown that, you know, if, if women read something that the only pronoun that's used is a male pronoun and they use a female pronoun for themselves, they're less likely to think that it actually applies to them. So they won't go after it and be as interested. And I've actually really enjoyed um, seeing a lot of speakers that have been in their talks mixing up the gender pronouns when they speak and they give an example about somebody. Have you, I'm sorry, Ash, have you actually, I don't think I've ever seen a call for papers that was using gender specific language in it. Really? People do that yeah. sort of stupid shit. Really? <laughs> see, see, and you say it's stupid shit, but it's like the default, like the vast majority of the time when we're talking about people that are organizing conferences that aren't going after that, that diversity that we're talking about right now, it's because they're of a group that has never had to worry about this. Um, They don't see it because they don't have to see it. You know, it's not something that affects them on a um, personal level. Um, That's why it's really important to reach out to people that aren't like you to talk to them about what their experience has been like being in the industry or, you know, the kinds of things that they've had to deal with being not the default. Um, you know, just so you can empathize a little bit and make it easier for people that aren't like you to get involved and to feel welcomed and to be accepted in the community. Yes. Yeah. That's, darn it. I hate these little pauses. This is the worst part of podcasting is this part where it's like, I've made a point and now we're going to continue and don't have, I, let's just, let's just think about that for a second. So yeah. I, I I was gonna say something, but I realized I had my um, I had my mic muted. No, oh. <laughs> uh, I started to say it. something. I was like, "Fuck! It's flashing that it's on." Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ash. You were gonna say something. Um, the other thing I wanted about um, now I think I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is there's some of this stuff that is is kind of more of a long game. Like we can't um, like add a a special powder and poof, we have diversity. Uh, It's a lot of different things that go into this. It's, it's, you know, getting people that uh, are interested from the get go, you know, uh, as kids or in school and then moving into the industry. It's keeping the people that we already have in in the industry um, because we have such a big problem with attrition, especially among women. Um, I don't remember the exact statistic, but it's, I think it's 60% of women leave the industry within 10 years, which is a ridiculously high number. Like when I first heard that, like it shocked me. And then I was like, Oh no, that seems about right. Like I've been, um, I've been in the tech industry 
for the past 11 or 12 years. And the number of times that I've been just like, I don't know if I can put up with this for the next 10 years. Like it's, it's not worth the frustration for as much as I love it. Like, I don't know that I can constantly be feeling like I need to stick up for myself just because I'm female or just because I'm not, you know, the default that's in the industry. It's, it's very hard. Um, so how do we fix that problem? Part of it is making sure that we're seeing diversity at conferences. We're seeing people that are speaking that don't look like the default in the industry. We're seeing more women. We're seeing more people of color. We're seeing more LGBTQ people. Um, we're seeing more people with disabilities just so we can kind of um, put those people in front of an audience and show them, you know, and a lot of it is subconscious seeing that, oh, there are people that aren't like me that are experts that are very smart. They're awesome at what they do. And then we don't have this, we start changing the like biases that we have inside of us that say things like, oh, girls aren't good at programming or, you know, whatever the case is. I've never seen X happen. So it must never happen in this industry. I've never seen somebody be racist to somebody. So can't say that racism is a problem. Well, if you're a white person, you've probably never seen the racism firsthand. Um, where I've been at conferences where um, people have mixed up, if there are two black attendees, they've mixed those two people up. Like, And if you deal with that on a daily basis, that you're getting called by somebody else's name because they happen to be the other black person that's attending an event, like... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> with that, like, that's something that I have a privilege for. Like, it's kind of a bonus to being a, the only, one of the only women in the tech industry. Because I'm one of the only women in the room, a lot of people tend to remember my name. So that's something I do have above a lot of other people, even though I'm at a disadvantage to the rest of the men in the room in other areas. People do remember my name. So that goes a long way, and that's, that's helped me in a number of different ways. But all of the other problems that come with being a woman or come with being queer in the industry all kind of compound and make the situation so much worse. So, so Ash, Ash, oh sorry, my God, you're queer. I'm sorry. Oh my God. You're queer. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, so Ash, I have a, I have a question Jesus. for you about this. Yeah. Nice touch, Reg. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I almost I almost got derailed. So so here's the question I have for you, Ash. To to make when you're organizing a conference and you are trying to get as diverse a group as possible, I've struggled with a way to approach this that doesn't make it sound like I want you here because I can then tick off a box on my checklist that yes we have the black person yes we have uh three different girls yes we have the um disabled person who can make it to our conference how do you how do you structure how do you approach that to to you you understand what i'm getting it's like you you want you want to get a diverse lineup but you don't want to feel like i'm doing diversity for um for self-serving purposes, as in I'm doing this not because I want to, but because I want it to look good. You understand what I mean? Yes, I do. Um, so, because man, I'm I'm starting to realize how douchey it kind of sounds me putting it that way. But that's kind of like I look and say I want 
this this to happen for my conference. I want it to be diverse, but I, I want to find a way to approach it where it just doesn't sound like, yeah, I want you here because I have a whole bunch of slots that I have to fill. I've set aside three slots for the girls and, and one slot for the crazy black guy. And then here's another guy for the super smart Asian guy that I, 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 I don't have this checklist that I'm going through. Yeah, it sounds like you're casting a United Colors of Benetton ad. So, so step- <laughs> they're women, not girls. It's totally <laughs> a woman if you call yourself a girl, but if you call an entire group of women girls, kind of iffy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, okay, so the problem you're talking about is called tokenism, where it's basically you are approaching somebody that would be the token X from a group that would you know, be your, you know, Asian guy that you have in your stock photography on the front of your website, right? So how do you avoid that issue? There there are two things. Number one, don't you know really intelligent uh, thought leaders in your field that aren't white men? Absolutely. So why would it be insulting to go to them and say, you are a very intelligent person, and I think that you offer an awesome perspective. Would you please speak at my conference? It doesn't have anything, you know, it doesn't have to have anything to do with their gender, with their race, with what language they spoke initially. You know, it's just the fact that you respect them for, you know, what they do. Um, you don't even have to bring up the fact that they are going to be, um, as a bonus, adding to the diverse pool of people that Okay, well then let me ask you this then. Say for example, there's a very awesome group within the PHP community called PHP Women, right? There's uh, they, um, you know, bunch of, of women developers get together, um, talk about common problems, um, you know, encouraging each other, mentoring, all that stuff. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's like I want more female speakers. So how do I go to this group and say, hey, I want to get more female speakers for my con- I just I feel weird about asking because I guess I'm worried about saying the right thing and extremely worried about uh, it coming across exactly as what you said as tokenism about saying that I specifically want more female speakers so how do I go about creating a scenario where it does not come across that I want you because you're female and not because you're actually intelligent you know you understand what i'm what what i mean this is the thing that that's going through my head as i'm trying to think about uh, uh about ways to address the problem because right. it is a problem so i i think that one of the things is assuming best intentions like if you come up to me and say i want uh i want to see more diversity at my conference can you help me find a more diverse group of people? Or if you're, you know, if you're approaching a group like PHP women or dev chicks, which is kind of the Ruby equivalent, um, approaching them and saying, you know, can you, can you help us? Or, um, you know, here is our CFP. If you can put this in front of your group of people, you're, you are doing um, a service to the community by going out of your way to promote that to those groups. It's not like I don't realize that when I walk into a room that I'm probably one of two or three women. Like it, the, the, it's obvious to me that there aren't women in our industry and that women are leaving and that we don't, you know, if, if we have learned anything from this Brit Ruby situation, it's the fact that yes, we have a diversity problem. <laughs> so, so on on our part as people who aren't part of the majority um 
we have to assume best intentions. We have to assume that, you know, you are trying to do what you can to further um, the marginalized people in the community so that they one day will not be marginalized. So it's complicated because you do have the issue of tokenism. And I think that if you approach it in a humble way and say, you know, I, I, you don't call them girls, for instance, (laughs) if if, if you approach them, come on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, excuse me for having two uh, females in my household who are seven and thirteen. So I'm always girls, girls, girls all the time. So now, oh boy, that really sounded really awkward, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Wait, it. You sound pretty sarcastic, there, brother. <laughs> if it if it helps any, the word "girl" did not was not originally female only. Was that right? It was originally a unisex term, mm. but it did refer to young persons. The original meaning of the word was someone who is still in a kind of dress. If you think about old-time pictures of small children, until they were basically walking, they, were, they always wore these long things. I think the only time you see boys in them nowadays is uh, Catholics being Christian. And oh, those yeah. were girls. They were, too, they were too young to wear basically trousers or, or, or proper dresses. And then over time, as society got kind of tied up in the idea that a, a woman's worth is in her youth, the term girl became kind of female, as in suggesting young. And, and that's, how, that, that's the etymology of, of girls. But at one time, girl just referred to a very young child. All right, who's got to get their phone? Oh, jeez. Come on, son. Drop, drop the Twizzlers and find oh. your phone, Reg. So, uh, um, may I take a, a little bit of a crack at the tokenism thing from the color perspective? Yeah, please do. I, I don't want to speak to 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 Ashes or anybody else's uh, community, but um, but yeah, I, to me, I think it starts with the question you asked, Chris. If you say I'm looking for black speakers, well, yeah, it does sound kind of tokenistic, and and it's a small thing. But if I can just m- make a respectful suggestion, uh, start in the other way. Say, hey, I'm looking for. Some, some quality talks. I believe my audience of PHP developers want to hear from people with different backgrounds who have something interesting to say. So as long as you're sort of emphasizing, I'm looking for quality talks. I'm looking for interesting talks. You, you Mr. Black Guy, are coming at this from a new perspective. I believe my, my people are interested in you. I don't believe that I'm putting you up on the stage because I have a, a quota. I don't believe that I'm putting you up on the stage because I don't want people talking about me on Twitter. I believe I'm putting you up on the stage because I think a room full of people want to hear you know anything unique you have to bring to the table. If you're going to stand up and say the same thing that Mr. White Dude over here is going to say only you're black, I'm actually not that fascinated. I'm really fascinated to hear your... I mean, what? why else would you have diversity? Why else would you ask a queer woman if not to hear something that might be a little different? Maybe not, but that's why you're putting diverse people on, on the stage. It's not just to say that all these different people have a belonging here, but to say that, hey, all these different people do come from different backgrounds, do have different life experiences. And some of that, this is partially a cultural community. Uh, um, conference this is partially a point of view and creativity and ways of getting along with people it's a people business and that means different people with different backgrounds and different cultures may have some different perspectives that everyone benefits from 
I personally believe that if you come to me and say that, which is what you said to me when you asked me to come and talk at your conference, I think you're not like every other PHP person here, but I think they want to hear some some of the stuff that you may bring uniquely to this conference. I mean, that's I, I personally can't imagine how anyone could be offended and say, and if they say, so it's a black thing, you say, in the sense that you may have something new and different that they haven't heard of before to share with them. And my understanding is you're a qualified, talented person who speaks well. And yeah, if you've got something new and improved and different, I want to give you a slot. Are you available Tuesday morning at 10 or would Thursday afternoon at 1 be a better slot for you? I mean, the only person who's going to argue with that, in my opinion, is someone who's, you know, they're arguing with herself. They've got their own uh, preconceptions of why you might be approaching them. But I don't know. Ash, how do you feel about that? Do you, is, is that something that would resonate with, with, with the communities that you identify with? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the big thing is that you want to be approaching people from the perspective that you appreciate what they give to the community um, as far as the things that they think, the code that they write, uh, the perspective that they offer to solve problems. And you're not approaching them and saying, I need a woman or I need a person with disabilities. You know, you, you are approaching them for what's in their head and not the first thing that you notice about them when they walk up to you. Yeah, I dig you. Sure. Chris, how do you feel? <laughs> did you mute um, yourself again? Yeah, I did. Um, oh, come on, son. Uh, it's just the self-defense since I make so much noise in my office. You are very noisy. You're extremely noisy. Um, yeah, I mean, to talk about what Reg talked about, I wanted him to come to the conference because I've been following what he does online, and I was 110% convinced that Reg could provide a perspective about PHP that nobody else could, simply because uh, he's not a regular PHP user, and and that I, I found the things that he talks about to be interesting. So, again, I thought that he would provide something of value to my conference. And that's exactly the way to do it. I respect you for what you do. Please come talk to my conference. I like that. Sorry. <laughs> except, except Ed wouldn't come to my own conference, which is a source of, of much uh, internal pain. My issues with anxiety and mental illness often interfere with what I would like to do. You know, Ed, I think next time, I think next time, I'm actually going to drive all the way down to Pawnee and pick you up and drive all the way back to Canada to make sure that you come. Well, that seems fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that seems fair. <laughs> Because now I get because you remember how I, we talked about this on an earlier um, episode. So Ash and, and Reg don't know about this, but um, when we were at PHP Tech earlier this year, PHP Tech is the big PHP conference that happens. Um, I think it's a weekend before Memorial Day weekend, and so uh, Ed and I are kind of joined at the hip because of what we do on this podcast. So when Ed got there. Everyone kept saying, where's Chris? Where's Chris? Where's Chris? And, of course, Ed gave the correct responses. How the fuck should I know I'm not his babysitter? Right. Um, so now when I go places, the first thing that gets asked to me is, oh, is Ed here? And I'm like, no, Ed's an emotional wreck who's on drugs to deal with it. Of course he's not going to be here. Yeah, that's right. Um, so now I get asked, I mean, I'm supposed to be going to Belgium to talk. Oh, you got to get Ed to come over. I'm like, I don't think Ed's going to go. So, um, <laughs> uh uh, unless I could sedate him and put him in a crate and he could travel with all the animals down in the cargo hold. 
but that's about the only way that Ed's going to come with me on a long trip somewhere. So um, it, it's just kind of, I, I find it interesting that people get joined that way and there's expectations of when you go to a conference um, that things are going to uh, happen a certain way. Yeah, that is not going to happen. Yeah, I know. It's cool, bro. Like I said, we'll, hopefully we'll have PHP tech. And like I said, I'm dead serious, bro. I'm going to I'm gonna drive down to Indiana and pick you up and bring you back, if that's what it takes to get you to come next time. Oh, I could probably do it. You just have to give me a little, like, it has to be the right time. And I have to, it was weird because we had, like, a couple different conferences going on right around yours. So, otherwise, I really kind of wanted to go. But I have to feel comfortable in it. I have to have, uh, it has to be not too busy. Can't have too much stuff going on. I got to have time to do my thing. It's got to be a, a a lot of a comfort zone in the travel situation, and then I can I could kind of cruise up there, and it's all easy peasy, you know. But uh, I do have a passport now, so I can do that. Hot soup. Then we're going to make that happen. I know that sounds exciting, doesn't it? Um, I don't know what the hell were we talking about. I just got, oh, I got the broadcast working. Hey, so we're streaming now. Cool. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's listening, but we're streaming. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, where were we? Let's see, back to the center. We got some stuff. So, I, I, I would be interested to hear about you know we we touched on and it, it, I think the issue of, of of women in in tech and and, and open culture has been a uh, has been something that gets talked about a lot and uh, but I'm interested to hear about a, a, you know potentially other groups that maybe have sort of been marginalized or maybe not talked about as much um, I uh, do notice that I don't see a lot of folks who aren't um white in and most of the conferences that i go to um i and i so i'm kind of curious about that i'm also kind of curious about and it maybe it maybe it's something that doesn't come up but maybe it is something that it, it, you know maybe there's an issue there too about pitch people who uh say identify differently in terms of their sexuality or gender i'm interested in kind of hearing about that and i wonder about what your guys experiences or knowledge of that may have been ash this was a topic i kind of wanted i i'd, I'd sort of written down with with you in mind since i know you've had some experience in that and I, i'd kind of be curious to hear about that so uh, one of the things that's really important to me when we have these kinds of uh, these kinds of discussions, the idea of intersectionality, mm-hmm. which that there are so many different facets facets to the person. Uh, it's not just their gender. It's not just the color of their skin. Sure. It's also um, where they grew up. It's the class that they happen to fall in. Um, you know, if they grew up poor, that really affects a lot of people in our industry. Uh, if you're a person with disabilities, whether it's uh, physical or otherwise, um, a really big one that we don't talk about um, frequently enough is people who don't speak English as a first language. Uh, the default in a lot of tech communities is English. Even if you go to a lot of European conferences, you'll see that everybody speaks English. Oh. Um, so even or, or if, dev, or dev that I that Reg and I went to, the language of the conference was English. Yeah. Yep. So so that's a big deal. So that's uh, basically a barrier that you're putting up 
to make it more difficult for people to join the community or uh, to speak at a conference or to go at a conference, go to a conference where um, they might be um, put in a weird or uncomfortable or impossible situation based on any of those number of things. Um, the the English as a first language thing is obvious and something that a lot of us can see where the problems would be. I mean, imagine traveling to a country where, you know, you don't speak the language, everybody else around you does not speak the language, and you are expected to speak to them about what you do in a language that you're not familiar with. You know, it's it's very difficult and it's very frustrating. It keeps a lot of people out of our industry. So that one is something that I think that a lot of people could more easily relate to than, say, um, being a different gender or being a different race or being class is probably something that's also um, a little bit more relatable. Like if you understand um, the difference between growing up poor and growing up in a middle class family, you know, did you have Internet in your home growing up? depending on your age, obviously. Um, did you have access to a computer? Did people um, kind of push you in the direction of being interested in technology and in science? You know, they didn't assume that um, technology was for boys or, you know, they your family um, didn't have to worry about whether they should buy groceries or pay for AOL when you were a kid. You know, it's, you know big, big differences and big things that, um, impact us a lot for our entire lives that we tend to not think about. Um, so I, I'm happy that we're talking about things like gender and race. That's not where that's not where all the problems lie. Sure, right. Oh. That makes sense. Um, I you know I think it's interesting. I don't know if I have anything intelligent to say about this, but I think it's interesting in that. Uh, the the observations that, I, that I've been able to make or uh, in my son goes to a um, a charter school here in town, which uh, you know all that means is it has a charter, uh, but they they attempt a uh, progressive education style that's very student focused and tailors the, the learning needs around the student and stuff like that. Um, but without getting into all that, the the short version is that um, as they've grown. Um, their demographics have shifted a lot too. They used to have about 60 students a few years ago and now they're up to 230. Um, and, and part of that is because, uh, uh, funding is based on the number of students that you have. So you're able to do more. If you have more students, you're able to say hire a Spanish teacher. If you have more students, you're able to do different things. If you have more students, because you get more money from the state, that's how, you know, public education works. And, um, but one of the things that I think is interesting has been uh, the demographic shift that they've had, where when they had about 60 students, they had lots of um, lots of kids who were coming from uh, families on the uh, west side of the area and who a lot of them were... Um, uh, worked or, or as professors or as staff members at the university here, which is Purdue University. It's a large state school. And, uh, um, th- you know, those folks, and I think they're, I, I, I think I'm quoting it right, their poverty, like the level of students who, who would be considered in poverty was maybe about 15%. 
and nowadays it's more like 50%. And uh, and there's been a, so it's a demographic shift particularly in terms of in, in terms of poverty and uh, the challenges that those folks have to face just simply because of and the correlation that you see between in terms of between poverty and you know issues with education and and uh, things of that nature you know really makes it tough and um, I think that there's a lot of commonality uh, for for many of us with the kind of uh, environments that we grew up in where we had opportunities to do uh, you know to, to uh, explore this stuff and do it because we love it I think that uh, the reason why most of us are doing this and we sort of participate in communities and get into open source culture is because we really like doing this stuff and we really like, you know, learning about things and sharing them and, and stuff like that. And I think that's, what's really great about it, but it's, it's often hard to, it's hard to do that if you don't grow up in an environment where that kind of thing is valued, where like learning is really valued. And, uh, just for the sake of that, there's a joy you get out of that. And there, and, um, and that's just, that's just a challenging thing. I think that that's, uh, one thing I really like to see where people are doing things like, um, you know, trying to take the opportunities to teach, uh, say kids or, 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 or other folks who maybe haven't had the same kind of opportunities to explore this stuff, to learn about programming or things like that. I really like those sort of local, uh, community focused things. And, uh, I think we're going to try to do some of that here actually, in terms of like maybe doing some learning nights about that kind of stuff. Um, because I, I, I think there's a lot of folks who maybe would be interested in it, but haven't been in an opportunity, haven't had those opportunities or been in an environment where they really could explore that. I'm actually working on a study right now to mm-hmm. basically look into all of the programs and groups and conferences and that kind of thing that exist to help people that are in marginalized or underserved groups and communities um, get interested in technology and put that kind of thing in front of them. Right. Um, so. If anybody that's listening is interested, I would love for you to take a survey. But I, I basically um, want to see what we're doing, what is helping, what communities are being completely missed. Like, I, I haven't found any communities yet that focus on um, people who don't have this as a first language, for instance. Like, I would really love to see, um, you know, somebody who's doing something in the Hispanic community, for instance, and I'm just not seeing that. Um but I've gotten a lot of responses from all over the world from people who do things um, like RailsBridge is a big one. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but that's specifically for women in the Rails community. And they basically um, take them through two days of um, installing and setting up Rails on their machines and then building an app. So it's like hands-on um, uh, education um, like dipping your toes into something in a environment that's positive, that is reinforcing the fact that people like me can do this too. You know, if you um, go to a conference and you see that you're the only woman there, but then you go to something like RailsBridge and it's a room full of 25 women that are all having the same questions and, you know, it's not, oh, I don't know how to do this because I'm a girl. You know, it, it really helps to boost confidence and to get more people interested and to create more allies. And there's just so many good things about it. So I would absolutely love if more people started things like that. Yeah, definitely. 
if I could just jump in, and this time putting my person of color uh, hat on, I think uh, that uh, Ash is 100% correct that there are so many facets to people, and trying to make sure that, especially a little less about conferences perhaps, but especially about work environments where you can get to know someone, and you can go beyond skin deep and, and things like their background, their, the particular university they went to, what they grew up with, um, you know, two people may appear white, and I'm doing the, those. Hello? The new air quotes, he got disconnected. That's all sorts of awesome sauce. <laughs> the, inter- the internet gods decide to cut Reg off for his use of air quotes. Yeah, is uh, Ash, are you still there? Yeah, uh, hello, can you hear me? Hey, yeah, you're back. Yeah, all right. Off with the air quotes. That, that, that. That, uh, yep. I, that that was that was that was that was that that was righteous. I don't know what you guys have done with the camera on this uh, iMac, but I'm impressed with the programming, and think a blog post should follow immediately. <laughs> so what I was saying is that uh, that that being, even though there are, are a lot of things and they matter greatly in environments like school and and work and so on in environments like you know we began with conferences and if we can move on from dogpiling the one and just talk about that sort of thing or meetups in general the those things that can be um discerned at a glance uh for example the way you dress you know whether you appear visually to correspond with a punk culture or you know uh, this culture or a hipster culture or the color of your skin or your or the gender you uh, you appear to identify with, if you do appear to identify with, um, you know, sort of uh, societal expectations of a gender, um, you know, all of those things are visible at a glance. And those things do have a kind of special status in certain environments that I don't think we should ignore. I'm, and I'm not saying Ash was ignoring them. She was just trying to say, hey, don't forget these other things. If I understood what she was saying correctly, I don't. Speak for you, Ash. Please chime in if I'm, I'm mispe- if I'm misunderstanding. Oh, I think you're perfect. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So you know, for example, you know, uh, and I don't claim to fully understand the word queer here in Toronto. At least refers to an entire culture, not just a particular choice of bed partner, but um, or life partner. But um, you know, at Oradev, uh, one of the speakers was was there with her wife. Now, that is something that's immediately visible to everyone. And, you know, do they make, do they come to snap judgments about her based on that or do they not? You know, those are types, those are the types of things I think that are, it's very important to try to disentangle those from opinions someone may have about her competence or her ability to deliver something, you know, whether it be positive or negative, you know, or perhaps in a positive way, one might be curious, hey, you know, what are her experiences? What is she, what is she, does she have something new? Does she have an interesting new perspective? Human beings tend to, by default, make snap judgments about people based on super, what we would call superficial things, so much so that it's an important part of gaming things. We dress in a certain way. I remember going to Apple uh, for a training session, and one of the women there had a pink triangle on her vest. Now, given that one of my clients was a, com- was a company called Pink Triangle Press in Toronto, which published uh, Canada's Largest Gay uh, Weekly, I, I had a pretty good guess what that pink triangle meant. And she obviously wore it for a reason. 
you know, to, 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 because she was proud of it, because she wanted people to know, uh, you know, the, a certain, you know, perspective she had on, on the world and culture. And I think, you know, that it's not as simple as saying, hey, we should all be blind to these things. I think we should be aware of them. We should just try to avoid really sort of negative, superficial um, judgments about them without being bloodless. At the same time, you know, we should say, hey, look, that person might have something interesting. They might have something new. They might have something, you know, I don't have. They might, they might have, you know, uh, like a puzzle piece where I have a hole, they have something sticking out that, uh, that'll fit together, you know, some, some idea that I don't have. So, I, I, you know, I, I don't believe personally that we should ignore these things, but I do believe we should try to avoid sort of negative outcomes from, from them, like immediately deciding that, that uh, since I'm a guy, I must be really into sports and want to talk about them automatically, or to be more precise, to talk about the kinds of sports you watch on TV rather than doing yourself. I mean, that, that's kind of, that kind of might waste a lot of time. Um, but, you know, something more positive, I hope we can do. I, uh, I, so um, my partner is also in tech. Um, and one of the things when we first started going to conferences together, uh, that I told him was, um, when we go to conferences, it's totally cool for us to hang out and to, you know, run around together, but don't introduce me as your girlfriend. I, that's not what I want people to think of me as first. So I am totally cool with people knowing that I date my boyfriend. I'm very proud and happy with him, but I want people to recognize me as a person before they get that other information. And this is something that I have, um, obviously, that's a privilege because I I have the ability to pass as heterosexual. Um, So I don't have a lot of the same problems that people who don't pass or don't want to pass as heterosexual have. But um, being able to be approached by somebody and not... um, not having them assume that, oh, that's Ash, Matt's girlfriend, goes a much farther way. Um, and then being able to think, oh, that's Ash, and she's really great at what she does. Oh, and I just learned that she's dating Matt, who's also in this community. So it, it is important. And, and I really, um, when I talk to people about like going to their first conferences or people that um, are help organizing or are um, attending conferences as kind of helpers. One of the things that I talk to them about is making sure that nobody is by themselves. Like nobody is sitting off by themselves and not talking to anybody and kind of feeling um, like alone in a groom full of people. And um, the Steel City Ruby Conference did a really good job of pointing this out to people where they they told people, you know, if you're speaking in a group um, and it's a circle, break the circle up so people can walk up and they can feel like they can engage in the conversation, not that it's a closed group. So I love that idea of including people and getting to know people um, and going out of your way to talk to people who look like they're by themselves or, you know, they're not necessarily having a good time. And it's a really awesome way to get to know people that you wouldn't get to know otherwise. So it helps you to empathize with people that aren't like you, especially like I'm relatively extroverted. Um, so I know that I put a lot of people that are introverted off by how extroverted I am. So I, I try to go out of my way to approach them instead of them having to approach me and to try and make it as low key and as stress-free as possible. Um, 
to try and kind of meet them on a level and empathize with where they are. So I, I would love to see more people do that and kind of get a feel for where other people are and help them. Yeah, I totally remember when I first started going to conferences, not knowing anybody and feeling um, feeling awkward and just um, trying to. Uh, I worked very hard to talk to people and introduce myself, and I know that uh, it's one of the things I tried to do when I went at True North PHP was when I wasn't busy handling other stuff, just kind of look and make sure that looked like people were having a good time. People weren't all just sitting off by themselves in a corner looking miserable and trying to encourage people, network, talk, don't be afraid to talk to other people. We're all here because we want to be here and we're all friendly and we really do want to get to know each other um, uh, scenarios, you know, just to try to not put people off that. The reason to go to these things is not to hear the people not to hear the people talk, it's to actually talk to people as well. Yeah, as somebody who often is the person sitting in the corner, um, I uh, appreciate that, and I think that's something that, that folks don't think about a whole ton. Um, I, you know, for me, it's it's issues that I have with, uh, you know, depression and anxiety, and there's just times where... Um, uh, I've been at conferences and it seems like every time I go to one, um, there's at least one point at this where I'm like, I, and I think a lot of this is because I tend to get fatigued about, um, uh, being around a lot of people. Like if I'm around like a large group of people for a few hours after a while, I sort of have to take a break because I find it, you know, like kind of draining. And, uh, it's, it's hard, uh, you know, when you really just feel like, I I always feel like there's some point I get to where I just don't want to, where I necessarily don't want to, but I I really feel alone and I just don't want to be there anymore. And I feel like, you know, I don't like, nobody kind of wants to talk to me and you just get in this really bad place. And, uh, you know, I, I think, um, that's something that uh, I really appreciate when folks, you know, sort of take the time, you know, just to come over and say something. Because sometimes, you know, uh, I, I know I'm just in a, this bad place and I feel like I can't reach out to anybody. And that's really helpful. So, yeah. I've, I've done a number of conferences where, um, like, I'm hard instance and i don't drink i don't mind being around people that are drinking but uh and most of the time like smiling and nodding because i have no idea what people are saying and i'm having less fun because the drunker you get the less amusing they are to me as a sober person (laughs) yeah so i know exactly what you're talking about and i this comes up like a tiny bit and it it's as somebody who doesn't I'm somebody who I, I've just never liked drinking a whole lot. I drink a little bit every once in a while, but also I kind of can't because of medication I take. And um, it, it's it's kind of sucky sometimes when, um, like, the vast majority of the social events that go on with uh, at at most of the conferences I go to are alcohol related. Like they're sort of focused around alcohol. Like they're like they're typically like they'll have a thing where it's just a social thing and it's basically just like there's going to be booze right and that's sort of like the whole point 
you know. And is it the end of the world for me personally? No, because I don't. It's not like I find it morally reprehensible or something. Um, but it's just kind of a bummer sometimes, and especially if it gets kind of really loud or kind of rowdy. I'm just like not. That's just not my scene. I'm not into it. I don't enjoy it. I don't like being in that kind of vibe, and and it's not. It's really not fun for me now. I, uh, evidently, it's fun for a lot of other people. So you know, I don't. You know, different people like different stuff, and maybe I'm just kind of a little bit weird in that respect. You know, the, that the majority of people seem to really dig that stuff, but. I kind of wish sometimes uh, the the social things were maybe they weren't just exclusively about that stuff, but uh, that's cool, you know. But I I really dig you on that point because that's that's something that I'm uh, yeah that doesn't do much for me. Either. So to, to try to wrap this particular talking to people at conferences topic up that um, Sean Coates I think believe it's Sean Coates hopefully it is uh, talk about con- countering the whole talk to other people you don't know thing. One of the things that happens when you go to a lot of conferences you keep seeing the same people and people that you know yep. so you end up spending a lot of yes hi Sean uh, spending a lot of time. Um, uh, talking and catching up with friends, so that's so that sometimes I th- I think puts up an unintentional barrier yeah. that there's people who are there for the first time or they they know you but they've never met you in person, which is a very common thing. I mean, I to give a good example, of this um, I'm big on on playing um, simulation baseball, and so I've been in this league for 16 years, and there's people who've been in the league almost as long as me who I have talked to on a weekly basis for almost 16 years, yet I've never met them in person. So um, kind of weirdness like that goes on. So, so yeah, so if you go to one of these conferences and you see people that you know from online but you haven't met in person before and you see them talking to people and, and they're having a good time, they're not, they're not intentionally um, excluding you. They're trying to catch up because they never see these people. They only see them once a year, once every couple of years, whenever they happen to go to that um, particular conference. So I can see by the clock on the wall, we've been talking for almost 90 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, And I know that Ed starts to get punchy um, at this point. I I was about to start crying there for a minute. Yeah. I I know. This is why I give you bro hugs all the time, dude. I know. I appreciate Um, that. uh, So... Anything else that you that Ash and um, Reg, our honored guests, want to talk about? We can also give you a forum to, uh, since I do shameless promoting all the time, I don't see why you guys can't talk about um, things that you're working on, um, things you're interested in, just kind of stuff like that as we head towards the end of what has been a very uh, interesting and informational podcast as far as I'm concerned. Indeed. Um, I just wanted to tack something on really quick to the last conversation we had. Um, so I, when I organize or go to conferences, I like to also set up um, events that don't include loud places. But if people want to drink, they can. Like, um, I really like bringing board games to conferences. I love playing board games. And the best thing about going to tech conferences is that there are tons of other people that love playing board games. Um so that's a really good way to include people that um, are like I have friends that are younger than 21 that can't go out drinking, you know. So that's it's a really good way to include younger people in the community or people that um, feel uncomfortable around other people drinking um, because they have issues with alcohol or with people drinking um, or um, going to museums. Like when I went to Steel City Ruby um, 
went to the Warhol Museum, which was really awesome. And it was right across the street from where the after party venue was. When we did uh, Dribble in Chicago, it was, the after party was at the Field Museum. Like these are all things that you can um, do to include people that don't drink or don't want to drink or don't want to be in a loud space and still interest them. So I, I'd love to see more conferences do that kind of thing. Um, where they are providing more than just the GitHub drink up kind of thing. Yes, me too. I would like that. What do you say, Rich? What you got? Well, I, I have to agree with that. That's really another uh, form of being inclusive, right? It's it's really connected to to what we were talking about, making an environment where a wide variety of people with different interests and backgrounds and so on feel comfortable interacting with each other. And uh, you know, I'd go further than that. If uh, if you're running a conference and Ash is coming and she wants to host a board games thing, I would say you should draw lotteries and make people go. Get them out of their comfort zone. <laughs> no, I mean, you can go drinking with your friends anytime. You go to a conference. This is an opportunity to meet not just the people you saw at the last conference, but a bunch of new people. I, uh, I This may be too aggressive for, for conferences, but for anyone who's listening, uh, I once took the Amtrak train and um, on, on an overnight and in the dining car, they have a, a, a very a very interesting uh, way of doing things. If you're a couple, every meal you go to, they seat you with a different couple. And if you say, hey, you know, we had a great lunch with these people. We'd like to go to dinner with them. They'll say, well, actually, you know, you can go to the cafe car or hang out or watch a movie with these people anytime you want. The dining room is an opportunity to meet somebody new. So if you don't mind, like if you insist, well, we advise you to let us seat you with somebody else. And then you can just catch up with your friends for coffee after dinner. And, you know, they and if you're a single person, they put you in a group of four and then they mix it up with with another group of four and another group of four at every meal as a way of meeting people. So, um, you know, just kind of going from piggybacking what I was saying, I'd love to see um, conferences that are organized in social events to try to do some kind of mixer where people are shaken and stirred, you know, and and somehow given an opportunity to meet someone that they had no idea had no maybe don't even think they have something in common with but get an opportunity to walk away and say wow you know i i a window was open into another world for me at addison ruby we did um improv um so uh at the beginning of the conference everybody got up on stage and had to do all these different improv things with people as a group which was really fun and then during breaks or if you didn't want to be in a session you could also go up on this like side stage basically where you could do these little improv things with a small group of people. So it's like a, to, to meet new people and to do something that you would normally expect to do. You're not chained to your laptop, um, which is a huge problem at a lot of conferences. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're getting out and meeting people and enjoying the experience. That sounds fun. I want to go to that conference. Should. Oh, that'd Have be great. I have to learn about Ruby a little bit, maybe. Anyway, all right. Well, you know, uh, I think this has been a really good talk. We've had a lot of cool stuff to discuss, and I think we have blown some minds. Um, Chris, what do you say? Uh, I say that uh, you guys are all making me super stressed about doing the next version of True North PHP. Man, you got a shitload of work to do, my friend. I've, 
I have so much work to do to make this thing, uh, to make it even more awesome than it was. I will say I am absolutely stunned um, at how well the conference went. We had no problems except for Reg showing up late to give his keynote. But other than that, um, <laughs> it was no problem. Every bump in the road that we ran into, uh, we basically – Yeah, who picked that guy? Um, I'm still taking flack for it. Um you know, it, it went really smooth, and it just made me realize that, yes, you can actually organize uh, a good conference, but to make to take a conference from being a good conference to a great conference is a shit ton of work. And so uh, you guys have given me some very interesting things to think about. And also, I look at it, look at it in terms of it's never too late to start planning um, planning the next version of your conference. All right, so um, Ash, any projects that you're working on that you want to plug? Any info products that you sell? Uh, stuff like that. Uh, uh, hit me. Let me know. Uh, no, I'm not selling anything. But um, just so people know, they're more than welcome to contact me about. Um, helping them create a more diverse experience or get people more involved with their conference and that kind of thing. Ash, I, I will definitely be talking to you. And you. Yes, that sounds great. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I'm just like that today. <laughs> At least you're not saying, oh, I don't know, whatever, like you did when we were in Chicago. Oh, whatever, bro. Um... I, I haven't fixed anything. I think I might be getting a new car in a couple of days. Oh, you're getting a new ride? I liked your Volkswagen that you drove. You yeah, know. I'm getting another one, just a different one. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, are, you do, getting the ball, are you getting the baller package for it or, uh, or not this we're time? Try, we're trying to save a little money, so it's a little. It's like slightly less baller. So, Ash, in the interest of diversity, uh, <laughs> tell me, do you play railroad games as well? Uh, yes. Oh, awesome. Which ones? I assume that you were talking about uh, Ticket to Ride. Oh, that's an interesting one, yeah. I'm uh, kind of old school. I'm, I'm partial to uh, some of the crayon games, like Euro Rails. I haven't played that. Oh. But played it. And um, tra- uh, Rails-related-esque um, is uh, Mexican Train Dominoes. That's kind of like my current obsession. I don't. I do not know this game. I'm looking forward to uh, to being e- educated at a, at a conference near you. The next conference we go to, I will bring a suitcase full of board games. I have uh, an old game called Rail Baron, which is a lot of fun, and yeah. some kooky, crazy guy uh, is, is basically railroading in the like 19th century in America, and a guy started making alternate maps, so you can do things like. Uh, instead of buying and selling the great railroads of of, of the nineteenth century, there, he's got one where you buy where you get to buy and sell the uh, subway and bus routes in New York City. That's cool. Yeah, and he's got another one that just focuses on the Northeast, so you can get all these like minor railroads no one will ever have heard of, like the Toronto, Hamilton, and Buffalo. <laughs> Favorite of mine since I have a TH and B mug at home. Um, and there's one that's the Baltimore Washington area. Which makes no sense to me. I have no idea why I bought it from him, but I've got that too. Awesome! Yeah, I like uh, I like uh, games that you can play in forty five minutes. The beginners can pick up right away. That's like my big thing. Like, there's this game called Carcassonne, which I don't know if you guys have played before. But I don't it's think so. Super easy uh, tile game. Different kinds of properties on basically trying to build cities by placing little people on the board, and it can take 
you know, anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes to play, but I've taught like little kids to play and people who don't normally enjoy board games really like that one. So I, I like a lot of games like that. Nice. I'd, I'd play board, more board games if I knew that my oldest daughter wasn't wasn't going to uh, make her old man proud and flip the board off the table when she's losing. <laughs> Rage quitting, Come Rage on, quitting, conference, yeah. and then yeah. and then and then dumping it when uh, when you get a little unfavorable publicity. Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's that's right. Table flip. That's right. All right. Um, I think that sounds pretty good. Chris, you want to take us out? No, he didn't let Reg uh, talk about his ah, shit. All right, yeah, Reg. See, still oppressing the brother. That's I not am, good. Yeah, I know, right? I'm anxious. I'm just cutting him out of this whole So, Reg, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sticking it to the man at every opportunity I get. Okay. Uh, I'm involved in JavaScript and CoffeeScript software, and I write a few books on it. But um, my passions, you know what? I don't, I don't give a shit about talking about making money or, or educating people or helping them to a better life. Uh, my passions are... Uh, board gaming, whiskey, mountain biking. Uh, whiskey does mix with the board gaming, but not the mountain biking in my experience. And I have the broken wrists to prove it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That sounds unpleasant. Uh, I don't know. So, well, we tried to get these guys to sell some stuff, and we got nothing. No, we're too good. We're too kind. Uh, this is all, I don't think you understand. This is all about the money right here. It's all about the Hamiltons. Yeah, right. Coffee Script Ristretto. I will not mention the name of my book, Coffee Script Ristretto. I promise not to mention the name of my book, Coffee Script Ristretto. I don't know how to spell that, so here, maybe. Oh, wait, don't I worry, it. I'll get you a pirate copy. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, as long as I don't have to pay for it, we're in good shape, right? <laughs> all right. Well, so Ash and Reg, thanks so much for coming on. We yeah. reached, reached the end of a, of a really awesome uh, conversation. I'm so glad we had you guys on, and we would love to have you guys come back another time uh, separately to talk about um, other things that are near and dear um, to your hearts. So this has been episode 23 of the development hell podcast there are so many different ways you can find us you can find us online at devhell.info you can follow us on twitter at dev underscore hell um we're available on itunes if you listen to us on itunes please 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 go and rate us uh we love to hear the ratings because it makes us look too legit to quit um you can find ed and i on twitter you can find me i'm grumpy programmer uh, grumpy without the U. Ed is Funkatron with the U. And as always, we need to thank our wonderful sponsors from um, from Engine Yard for throwing a bunch of money at us so we can continue to uh, uh, act like non-chumps and feel like we're actually doing this professionally. Oh, so thanks for... Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and also and also thanks to Wonder Network. I'm guessing Paul came through and got the server. Yeah, he, he was at a movie and was able to fix it. So, yeah. Awesome. So anyway, thanks very much. And to everybody else who was in IRC, sorry that we had a little bit of a problem uh, getting the stream going. But of course, this will all be recorded. So thanks again, and we will see you all very soon. All right. Good night, America. Internet. I said America. I meant the Internet. Good night, Internet. Well, you meant America. Yeah, I did. It's, it's, it, I only meant America. I only am talking to Americans right now. Good night. Good night. Good night.